everyone. Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, part of the Edge Sports family. It's the Tuesday leading into Week 7, and so this is the waiver Wire episode. I'm going to run through all of last week's games to give you my observations on which players you might want to pick up. And you can also check out my column on footballoutsiders.com if you want some specifics about how much fab to spend and whether you should use a number one waiver priority on the players you're bidding on. Let's jump back to last Thursday night's game between the Giants and the Patriots. For Daniel Jones, this was another poor performance here. Uh, since that great Bucks start where he made his debut, he's averaged just 189 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions for three games, and then probably more distressingly, just 18 rushing yards per game. Now, some of that, I think, is, is definitely going to be matchup-specific, and in particular, facing the Vikings. They're the number nine DVOA pass defense. They cut pass plays by 7% and pass touchdowns per attempt by 14%. And then, obviously, last week at the Patriots, the number two DVOA pass defense. But still, Jones has hardly performed well. He has a negative 24.3% DVOA for the season now. And the fact that he's not really rushing a lot, I think relegates him to QB3 status. So you can probably go ahead and drop him in shallow formats if you have him. But the Giants do have a lot more good news coming their way, in particular with Saquon Barkley being back at practice. Assuming he ends up playing this week, I think he goes back to being just a no-brainer start every week. And I think that means that you can probably go ahead and drop Wayne Gallman um, in your shallower formats. And then definitely John Hilleman and Elijah Penny, if you have either of them as sort of emergency starters from last week. At receiver, Sterling Shepard is still in, in concussion protocol, so I'm not sure if he's going to be back this week. Remember, he now has suffered two concussions this week, so it's possible he'll, he'll miss extended periods of time. But Evan Ingram, the tight end, is back um, at practice, and he's facing the Cardinals in Week 7, which have been one of the most favorable tight end matchups so far this season. So if Ingram plays, you're definitely going to want to start him. Uh, he could actually be a really good DFS option. And even if he doesn't play, I think his backup, Red Ellison, could end up being a pretty interesting handcuff streamer type of guy. He had seven targets last week in week six, so maybe a tight end two in this matchup if Ingram ends up missing time. Now for the actual specific wide receivers, Darius Slayton and Golden Tate were sort of the the de facto number one and number two guys last week. Tate was definitely better, um, but Tate also broke through for a 64-yard touchdown on a blown coverage assignment by the Patriots. And that was really the bulk of the difference in their production. Tate had nine targets and Slayton had eight on the day. And Slayton drew Stephon Gilmore in shadow coverage. So I think that probably contributed to his poor performance. For the season, Slayton actually has been a little bit better. 14% DVOA. That's pretty darn good for a rookie. And as a field stretcher, I think he actually may outproduce Tate the rest of the season. But Slayton also faces the potential for Sterling Shepard coming back and maybe taking some of his targets. Tate may be a little bit safer working out of the slot. For the Patriots, Rex Burkhead missed another game here with a foot injury. There's no update that I found so far on what his likelihood is to play this next week, but uh, Brandon Bolden has had two touchdowns in Burkhead's absence, so in maybe a very deep format you could look at him, but he's averaging just 5.5 touches per game with Burkhead absent, so he's not getting the same kind of workload Burkhead was getting in his games. At wide receiver, Josh Gordon suffered a, a knee injury that looked pretty significant, but I think he avoided a major injury, at least like that looks like the, the updates so far early in the week. He's not practicing, but team is optimistic. Now, the Patriots play Monday night, so this could get a little bit tricky trying to figure out what you want to do here. But Philip Dorsett should come back for, from injury um, for this game, and he'll definitely be a starter with or without Gordon on the field. And then I think Jacoby Myers is sort of the handcuff you could consider. He had four catches for 54 yards on four targets last week um, and actually leads all Patriots receivers with a 23.2% DVOA on the season. So 
Myers in general is a guy I think could end up having some production over the second half of the season. And he might be a good player to just stash if you're a Josh Gordon guy and you want to own, uh, want to play him on Monday night, just in case that that doesn't work out for you. And then at tight end, uh, Ben Watson, the Patriots waived him two weeks ago after his four-game PED suspension ended, but they re-signed him again this week uh, because Matt Lacoste injured his knee two weeks ago and was only able to play 15 snaps last week. So Watson may end up playing a little bit, but I think the fact that they released him in the first place suggests that they're not going to use him super heavily. Watson averaged five targets per game last year for the Saints, but I don't think he's going to get that kind of workload for the Patriots right now. So I think it's probably the receivers and running backs on this team that you want to own for fantasy. Jumping forward to the Sunday early morning in America game, at least, uh, in, in London game, in fact, the Panthers and Buccaneers game, Kyle Allen definitely impressed me here. He went 20 for 32 for 227 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, and had another about 50, I think, yards on drop passes that he could have had. Now, the Buccaneers are obviously a great matchup for passing teams. They increased pass plays by 4%, passing yards per attempt by 15%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 46%. So I think you can probably fairly say that Allen's more of a matchup start. But I think it is kind of interesting to see what the Panthers end up doing with him and Cam Newton. Newton, I think, is expected back in practice leading into week eight. The Panthers are on bye this week. And I would say Newton probably has about a 70-30 chance to get the job back and play. But even if it's not related to Allen's performance, I think there are some concerns that Newton's just health may not be good enough for it. He's currently dealing with a list rank injury that has prevented him from running, but he's recovering from the offseason shoulder surgery as well. So there's just a lot in play here. I would say in shallow leagues, you should probably pick Newton up now just in case he ends up playing in week eight. I think if he is healthy, there's a lot of talent on this Panthers team. It could make him a top 10 quarterback again. And in deeper formats, I'm happy to own Allen because I do think he's a starter starter caliber player, although a lot of my Football Outsiders coworkers seem to disagree with me there. So check out Audibles at the Line if you want to see that back and forth. For the Buccaneers, Jameis Winston had five interceptions in this game in London. Not ideal, obviously, but the Panthers are the number four DVOA pass defense. And interestingly, his other really poor game so far this season was the three interception game against the 49ers, who it turns out are the number one DVOA pass defense. So Winston may be a real matchups kind of play um, and kind of of significant interest there. He does have significant home and road splits over his career. So Winston may be a guy that you want to start as the QB1 in his home starts and against some of the, the poorer defenses but maybe dodge him if he ends up playing some of those top, top pass defenses in the future. Ronald Jones is the running back, second-year guy I thought was going to probably break out for this team. Unfortunately, just had four carries against eight for Peyton Barber in this game. And I think you can definitely point to game script as a contributing factor there. But for Jones, it's kind of hard to see where it's going to come from over the next month either. Um, He goes at Titans, at Seahawks, home Cardinals, and home Saints. So the Cardinals game is probably the one where you think maybe the Bucks will have a lot of carries, but overall it's a pretty stark schedule. And as such, I think even in shallow leagues, you can maybe go ahead and drop Jones if you need to pick up other guys. I am still bullish about his future prospects. Uh, Chris Godwin obviously owned everywhere, but another unbelievable performance here. 10 catches, 151 yards on 12 targets. He has 334 DYAR, which is 150 ahead of the rest of the field of position, and he has 69.8% DVOA. It's just really, really good. So entering this last week, he was my number three true talent wide receiver for fantasy, and I think he's kind of borderline the number one guy at this point, even though that's kind of shocking to say. And even while this is happening, it's not like Evans is doing that poorly. Obviously held without a catch two weeks ago, but nine catches for 96 yards on 17 targets in this game. Both of these guys are over a 30% wide receiver and tight end target share, which is top 16 at the position. 
So, I mean, they're both very safe wide receiver ones in, in my mind. Really, the guy that's losing out on all of this is tight end O.J. Howard. Just two catches for 35 yards on four targets last week, and just 10.2% of the Bucks wide receiver and tight end target share is 31st among tight ends. I think you can drop him in shallow leagues, and it's it's hard to say considering that Howard is such an unbelievable talent, but the Bucks are entering their bye in Week 7, too, and just the outside receiver talent and an offense that seems to be relying on it exclusively means I think it's going to be hard to trust Howard as a tight end one anytime soon, even if he does turn things around. Next up, we have the Bengals at Ravens game. Uh, Joe Mixon, poor performance here, 8 for 10, and just 2 for 29 as a receiver. His yards per carry is down from 4.9 last year to 3.4, and he has a negative 25.1% DVOA and hasn't scored a rushing touchdown. Now, some of that may be related to just the Bengals' offense, but it's kind of hard to see the Bengals getting better and you really kind of want them to be ahead in games to give Mixon more opportunities because Gio Bernard is still getting worked in as a passing down back from time to time as well. I don't think you can drop Mixon even in shallow formats. I just, they're just not enough running backs getting the kind of workload that he's getting, but I would definitely temper your expectations. He may be more of a flex option and maybe somebody that you want to play the matchups with the rest of the way. I am hopeful that the Bengals get A.J. Green back soon. It's possible that he returns in Week 7, although I think it's probably more likely a week or two later. But you should probably go ahead and pick him up in any leagues where he's been dropped. It looks like there's about 20% of leagues across formats where he's still available. So he could be a wide receiver, too, for you the rest of the season. And as upside for more if he ends up getting traded, we're two weeks away from the the NFL trade deadline. And it it would make some sense for the Bengals to unload him and try to get some pieces to help them rebuild for the future. And because of that, I think Auden Tate is a guy that you might want to look at picking up as well. Five catches for 91 yards in this game. 12 targets led the team by five. With John Ross on injured reserve now, with Green not back yet, Tate is the number one outside option with Tyler Boyd playing out of the slot. And I think that he can be a pretty productive fantasy player if Green isn't also playing in the team. We don't know when Green's going to be back, but if Green gets traded, then that could make Tate a flex option for you for the rest of the season. So go ahead and pick him up right now just in case that ends up happening. And at the very least, you'll probably have a game or two to play Tate, even if Green does come back. For the Ravens, um, Marquise Brown, the rookie, missed this game, and I was kind of interested to see how they would split up their workload with him out, but no Ravens wide receiver saw more than five of the team's 30 total targets, so it was really mostly just the Mark Andrews show as usual, and as such, I think that Mark Andrews and and Brown are the only really fantasy-relevant pass catchers in this offense. Obviously, you love Lamar and you love the running game, um, Mark Ingram in particular, but I just don't think there's really much else to to glean out of the, the, uh, the Ravens offense right now. Okay, moving over to the Seahawks at Browns. Sadly, Will Disley tore his Achilles in this game and is out for the rest of the season. That's tough. I mean, it's tough, obviously, for Disley, who missed the bulk of last season with an injury as well. But it's going to be tough for the Seahawks, I think, because I don't think that they have an internal candidate to replace Disley's production. They traded Nick Vanette a few weeks ago to the Steelers when the Steelers were dealing with some tight end injuries. And that leaves Luke Wilson as the team's number one tight end option. He had two catches for 16 yards on three targets in this game. I don't really expect him to be more than sort of a tight end two, even in his best weeks, the way that Disley was, I think, pretty clearly a top 10 option in the position. So if I had to guess which Seahawk would benefit the most from Disley's absence, I would probably point to rookie receiver DK Metcalf, in particular because Metcalf is just a huge player and is leading the league with nine end zone targets already. Disley was a big touchdown scorer for this offense, so Metcalf could really emerge as sort of the preeminent touchdown scorer in the league. Uh, given his size and given how well Russell Wilson is playing. He's the guy that I'm looking to pick up. But in deeper formats, you could take a look at Wilson, too, if you need some help at tight end. Then I'll mention, too, Jerron Brown 
had two touchdowns in this game, but he's seeing just 17.1% of the team's wide receiver and tight end target share since he got healthy in week three. I just don't think that's enough to sustain a fantasy-relevant production line, even if he ends up scoring some extra touchdowns too. I mean, everyone in this offense could score a little bit more with Disley out, but I think that Metcalf is is probably the guy that you want to play there. For For the Browns, Baker Mayfield... 22 of 37 for 249, one touchdown, but three interceptions. He's down to a negative 31.4% DVOA on the season. And while he's hardly the only player to blame for a lot of the mistakes that that are happening in in the Browns offense right now, certainly the pass rush or the pass protection has been a real problem. I think you can probably drop Mayfield. There are just enough other quarterbacks out there that you don't need to keep hoping it turns around for him this season. But uh, that said, Ricky Seals-Jones could be a player that's emerging for this offense Three catches for 47 yards, kind of modest production, but did score a touchdown and had six targets this week. And I think the thing to note is that he flipped his playing time around with the other tight end on this roster, Demetrius Harris. Seals Jones got 47 offensive snaps versus just 19 for Harris. And it was pretty much the opposite of that the the previous few weeks since David Njoku's injury. So I think Seals Jones is a player that you can pick up, although that may be more of a thing to do in your deeper formats, in particular because the Browns are entering their bye week in week seven, so you won't have his services for you this week. Next up, we have the the Texans at Chiefs. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, he didn't score a touchdown again, but did have improved production, nine catches for 55 yards and had 12 targets again. He's still up at a 32.2% wide receiver and tight end target share, which is 11th um, of all receivers. So in my mind, he continues to be a trade target, even though he's, I guess, killing his fantasy owners right now while he's not scoring touchdowns. Uh, Meanwhile, Will Fuller fell back to earth, five catches for 44 yards on nine targets, no touchdowns. I think that was probably a matchup-specific thing that you could have expected there. You can't play the Falcons every week, I guess. Uh, And meanwhile, Kenny Stills, I think he should probably play in week seven. He was close to playing this last week. And as such, I think that sort of splits up their deeper target share between those two players and relegates Fuller to more of a, a deeper league flex, flex option. Uh, you can go ahead and trade him away if you can still cra- uh, grab some value based on that three-touchdown performat, a performance the week before. Uh, for the Chiefs, I just really have no idea how to handicap this running game. It's a real problem. Uh, LaShawn McCoy didn't take a carry in Week 5 and then suddenly took eight of the team's 10 running back carries in Week 6. Sure, can't really explain it. Uh, he did have just two catches for zero yards, so he's less involved as a receiver than either Damian or Daryl Williams. But he played 50% of the offensive snaps this week, which is more than Damian Williams at 38% and a lot more than Daryl Williams at 12%. McCoy is also doing much better than Damian Williams as a runner, 16.9% DVOA this season compared to negative 39% in albeit a limited sample size for Damian Williams. So I don't know. I mean, I guess pick up McCoy um, at this point. I'm not really sure I want to start either he or Damian Williams in shallow formats, but I guess both of them should be owned until it becomes clear, if it ever does, which one of them is going to be the main guy for this offense. Thank goodness Tyreek Hill came back and kind of made it a lot clearer to figure out what's going on in the Chiefs passing game. He was immediately involved in that first drive and ended up with five catches, 80 yards, and two touchdowns on the day. He also led the team with 10 targets, and no other wide receiver on the team had more than four targets. Just in terms of a playing time breakdown, Demarcus Robinson um, paced the other receivers with 86% of the team's uh, offensive snaps. Byron Pringle had 59% and McCullough Hardman had 55%. And so with Sammy Watkins looking likely to return in week seven, although check the news there because they play on Thursday, so it's a short, short turnaround for them this week. But I think that probably means that you can drop Pringle and Hardman uh, in your shallower formats if you're holding on to either of those guys. It seems like Hill and Watkins will probably be the guys there. 
and there may not be room for a lot more considering that you also have you know the, the tight end that's heavily involved and some of these running backs that are catching a lot of passes as well. Next up, the Redskins at Dolphins, a really entertaining game between two not very good teams. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of, of reports from Adrian Peterson leading into this week about how great, how great he thought Bill Callahan was as a coach. So I think that kind of suggested that Callahan was going to be old school and run the ball just excessively. And he certainly did, where Peterson ended up with 23 carries, 118 yards, and even two catches for 18 yards. Um, overall, Peterson took 23 of the team's 29 running back carries. And of note, Chris Thompson injured his foot in this game, and it's unclear how long he'll be out, if at all. But... You know, I'm pointing to this as being sort of a Bill Callahan decision, but I actually think this is probably more of a matchup consideration here, where the Dolphins increased run plays by 17%, which is the most in football, and they increased rushing yards per attempt by 13%, and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 21%. So this is probably a situation where Peterson had a great game because of the matchup, and I would love to try to cash him in in your fantasy leagues right now if you can do it. He's got the 49ers, Vikings, and Bills the next three weeks before the, the Redskins go on by. So it's, it's pretty tough to do much worse than that in your schedule. Unload Peterson if you can get any value for him right now. And it's possible, too, that, that Darius Geis and some of those other Redskins running backs come back later in the season. A guy that I don't want to trade is rookie receiver Terry McLaurin, who had another great day with four catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns, won seven targets for the Redskins, which led the team by three. He's at a 33.7% DVOA for the season, which leads all rookie wide receivers. And he's clearly the number one choice for that passing offense. So I think you don't really think of it as being something that a rookie receiver can do, but I think McLaurin can probably be a a wide receiver too for the rest of the season. He has five touchdowns and five healthy starts so far this season. So it seems like the touchdown production is going to be there, even if the the passing yardage can kind of come and go. And then I'll mention too that the Jeremy Sprinkle, the tight end, he has substituted in for Vernon Davis the last two weeks while Davis is dealing with, I believe, a foot injury. So he might be an emergency sort of borderline tight end two, tight end three option for you in your deeper formats. He has three targets and two catches in each of those games as the team's, I guess, only real tight end option right now. For the Dolphins, uh, a week after saying that that Josh Rosen was going to be the starter for the rest of the season, Brian Flores ends up benching Rosen in the fourth quarter here for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick does pretty well. 12 for 18 for 132 passing yards, one touchdown, led the dream uh, the team to a drive that could have been a game-winning drive uh, were it not for Kenyon Drake's drop two-point conversion attempt. I don't know who's going to end up being the starter for this team for the rest of the season, but given the fact that these players tend to be benched for each other in games, I think even in your deeper formats, you should probably look elsewhere. But that said, I do advocate that you pick up Mark Walton in your deeper formats, uh, the Dolphins running backs. He's in a little bit of a timeshare right now, but he really passed Kalen Balaj on the depth chart. It was up to 32 snaps last week compared to just four for Balaj, even though Balaj scored the touchdown. This this kind of really becomes interesting if Kenyon Drake gets traded because Walton is also a receiving back. He had five for 43 in the air last week, and he could see his workload really increase if Drake gets traded over the next two weeks. So at least over the next two weeks, I would want to probably stash Walton on your deeper league benches and see how that plays out. It would make a lot of sense for the Dolphins to, to trade Drake. and so. That might be a, an interesting guy to stash. And then Mike Gesicki, three catches for 51 yards on seven targets. Looked pretty good in this game, but his DVOA for the season is really bad. I just I feel like this is not an offense where he's going to be very productive. You're kind of maybe hoping that in future years he could break out when the Dolphins turn around or maybe he gets another chance on a new team. Next up, we have the Eagles at Vikings. Uh, Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders kind of continued their newer split, where Howard had 13 carries versus just three for Sanders, but Sanders had all of the workload as a receiver with three catches. 
Um, and then for the season at this point, Howard has seven carries within five yards of the end zone versus just two for Sanders. So Howard is getting more carries and more red zone looks. Sanders is getting more targets. It kind of depends on your format, which one of them is then more valuable. But Howard, I think, is a pretty safe you know, flex consideration at running back in most formats. Deshaun Jackson could return this Sunday against the Eagles, but take note that that's the Sunday night game. I mean, against the Cowboys, and that's the Sunday night game. Jackson had 10 targets in week one, so I think there's a chance that he ends up being a wide receiver too for you for the rest of the season. But if you want to try to use him in this game, you need to sort of protect yourself. Uh, either try to grab you know, one of the Patriots or Jets for Monday night, maybe a Demarius Thomas, maybe a Jacoby Myers. Um, it, it, it could be a little bit tough, but I think you should pick Jackson up even if you're not sure you want to start him this week and just have him for the rest of the season in case he becomes the featured part of this Eagles offense. And then Kirk Cousins, a nice game here, 22 of 29 for 333 yards, four touchdowns, uh, three of which were to Stephon Diggs, kind of reemerged there. And I would say just for Cousins that that was a plus matchup against the Eagles that increased passing attempts by more than any other team in football. And so that was something that I think you could sort of see coming. And Cousins is kind of becoming a very clear matchups play where you're looking to start him against teams that are just better in quality because the the, uh, the Vikings seem to be relying very heavily on the run in their matchups against other teams. So Cousins play the matchups with him the rest of the season, and that probably makes him more of a DFS play than it does a traditional league option. But, you know, maybe Diggs can be back. I think he is over 30% wide receiver and tight end target share for the season now as well. So, yeah, he's top 10 in football in that respect, along with Adam Phelan. And then speaking of running backs, Alex Madison, 14 carries for 63 yards. That was really a game script thing here. He's done that once before this season behind Alvin Cook, but Cook is still a very safe top five running back option for you. Next up, we have the Saints at Jaguars. Drew Brees, he's throwing balls at this point as part of his rehabilitation from his thumb injury. I think he could potentially be back fairly soon, but I want to point out that the Saints have their week nine bye, and that kind of makes it an awkward for the timing. In week eight, uh, they face the Cardinals, and that would be six weeks from the original injury, and the injury was listed originally as a six to eight week timetable for his recovery. So maybe Breeze returns in week eight against the Cardinals, and that would be a good matchup, but I think it's more likely he returns in week 10. But if I'm in a shallow league and I need a good quarterback, I would pick up Breeze now just preemptively. If he does face the Cardinals, then you may have trouble picking him up next week. So go ahead and grab him now when he's a little bit less expensive. Although I will say that Breeze may be somebody you want to play the matchups with the rest of the season at this point. He's just so much better at home than on the road that that may be the best way to use him in fantasy. Uh, The guy that I know wants Drew Brees back is Alvin Kamara. He's had fewer than 70 rushing yards in each of Bridgewater's four starts and is really probably more of a borderline running back 1-2 when Bridgewater is still there at quarterback, although Kamara is still heavily involved in the passing game, and that gives him a pretty high floor. For the Jaguars, Gardner Minshew had his worst game as a pro, 14 of 29 for 163 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. And the Saints defense is up to 13th in DVOA. They've improved dramatically since Bridgewater took over as quarterback. Uh, talking to Aaron Schatz, there's not really any research that suggests that you know a more conservative passing attack leads to better defensive play. So that may just be a quirk or it may just be the Saints defense gelling and getting to be a little bit better than I think me and, and a lot of people predicted at the beginning of the season. So that's something to keep in mind for the Saints future opponents. Um, but yeah, for now, I think that Minshew is still a good player, but maybe more of a deep league option for you in his better matchups. The 49ers at Rams, Tevin Coleman, uh, after that really nice Monday night comeback performance two weeks ago, had another good game here, 18 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown, two for 16 through the air on three targets. 
And of note, Raheem Mostart um, fell down to just seven offensive snaps in this game. So I think Coleman is pretty clearly a safe running back too, even though he's in a pretty significant timeshare with Matt Breda right now. Uh, At receiver, Dante Pettis, um, he's a guy that after having just 3% of the team's offensive snaps in week one, seemed pretty droppable, but he's increased his offensive snap percentage every week since then and was up to 72% this week, which led the team's wide receivers and while I'm not sure that really makes Pettis an attractive fantasy option, I think it does clarify that you really can't start Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, or Debo Samuel in your shallow formats. It's just too much of a distributed workload right now that Kittle is really the only guy that I think you're interested in starting in that passing game. For the Rams, Jared Goff, just a dreadful game here, 13 of 24 for just 78 passing yards, no touchdowns. Uh, you know, I thought that he might be okay here. He's been a much better performer at home than on the road in his career, something like five fantasy point advantage at home. But you know, the 49ers are the number one DVOA pass defense, and that, that was the case later in the week, and I'm sure it'll still be the case after this week. So it may just be that that matchup is too stiff for, for all of their fantasy opponents to, to sort of handle. So that's something to look out for over the rest of the season, and, and hopefully then Goff can bounce back. Uh, for the Rams running backs, Todd Gurley missed this game. Unclear whether he's going to miss more time, but if he does, I think Malcolm Brown is, a, is kind of a running back two, running back three borderline play. And then the rookie, Daryl Henderson, got involved in this game and performed very well. 6.5 yards per attempt on six carries and caught a pass as well. That kind of put him up to 2.4% DVOA for the season. I don't think he's passing Brown. Brown is 13.2% DVOA for the season, even though he had kind of an inefficient game here. But it's just something to keep an eye on in your deeper formats, in particular because Henderson is somebody that would be involved in the passing game if Gurley missed time, which is something that I don't think Brown would do. Next up, the Falcons at Cardinals. Julio Jones, a bounce-back game here. Eight catches for 108 yards on a team-leading nine targets. That was really good to see. Um, But even with that, Jones is still at just 26% of the team's wide receiver and tight end target share, which is 30th among all wide receivers. I think that kind of slots him in as more of a wide receiver too for the rest of the season, even though the Falcons look like they're going to be throwing more passes than a lot of teams. He just isn't getting that wide receiver one kind of workload right now. And one reason for that is really that Austin Hooper has emerged as an incredible target. Eight catches for 117 in a touchdown in this game on eight more targets. He's up to 480 receiving yards for the season, which is second most among all tight ends behind just Travis Kelsey, and top 10 among all receivers. He's on pace to nearly double his previous career high in receiving yards, although it's possible that matchups have been a contributing factor here. I know that his matchup this week against the Cardinals, they've been one of the more favorable matchups for opposing tight ends so far this season. But still, I think it's pretty clear that Hooper is in that second-tier grouping of tight ends with like your Mark Andrews and Evan Ingrams of the world when, when Ingram returns healthy. So he's a great guy to have in fantasy right now. For the Cardinals, Kyler Murray's been a great fantasy option too, especially in this Falcons matchup. 27 of 37 for 340, three touchdowns, plus 11 carries for 32 yards on the ground. But that Falcons matchup is really the best you can get in fantasy. They increase pass plays by 5%, passing yards per attempt by 10%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 58%. And as such, that kind of boosted them up from ninth in my true talent quarterback rankings to third for the week. So it wasn't wholly unexpected that Murray would have such a great game. And then going forward, things could get much more challenging for Murray. He faces the Giants this week, which is a good matchup. But then he has the 49ers, Buccaneers, and 49ers again before the teams um, buy. And four of his next five games are on the road. So this may be a good time to try to trade Murray. I'm not exactly sure who you're going to get or if you're looking at a strictly quarterback for quarterback trade. But 
Dak Prescott and Jameis Winston are both players I have higher in my true talent rankings and their recent poor performances or recent poor performances of their teams at least may make them players that you can get in exchange for Murray right now. One reason to be a little bit more optimistic for Murray is that I think he's going to get wide receiver Christian Kirk back in week seven against those Giants. If so, he would be a good play that week. Um, But again, the future matchups on the road could make it tough for him to be a a wide receiver too, maybe more of a flex consideration for you the rest of the season. For the Titans at Broncos, uh, Marcus Marietta had a dreadful game and that led to Ryan Tannehill taking over later. And Tannehill did pretty well, completing 13 of 16 passes for 144 yards, did throw one interception, but looked much better than Marietta has so far this season. Marietta's down with negative 20.3% DVOA. And the indications are that head coach Mike Rabel is going to name which one of them is going to be the starter for the rest of the season, either later today or tomorrow. So I would follow that news, but in a deeper format, you may want to pick up Tannehill. I think there probably will be matchups where he is a quarterback too in the better ones, but he obviously doesn't run the ball. I mean, he's very athletic, but he doesn't run the ball the way that Mariota does and doesn't score rushing touchdowns the way that Mariota does. So I think he has a pretty low ceiling that kind of makes him more of a deep league option. Uh, for for the Broncos, Cortland Sutton, another nice day here, four for 76 on eight targets, which led the team. He has a 34.8% wide receiver and tight end target share, which is the eighth highest among all receivers. And that could go up a little bit more with Emmanuel Sanders leaving this last game with a knee injury. Sanders is expected to play in week seven, but again, that's the Thursday night game against the Chiefs. So the short week may make it tough for him to fully recover and may make it clear that that Sutton is the number one option for the team. And I mean, he's already getting that kind of workload anyway. Sutton's also been very effective at 14.2% DVOA. So he's a good option for you in fantasy, kind of a back-end wide receiver too. Next up, we have the Cowboys at Jets. Amari Cooper re-injured his quad um, and he left that game and could miss week seven. And again, that's the Sunday night game against the Eagles, which obviously makes it kind of difficult to figure out what to do. Obviously, Michael Gallup is the guy that'll benefit the most. I think he would be a top 10 wide receiver in week seven if Cooper did miss. And even if Cooper doesn't, he's had seven targets in all four of his games this season, even with Cooper playing. And he's looked amazing. 16.8% DVOA this season. Gallup is a great guy to own in fantasy, even if Cooper doesn't miss a ton of time. But if you're looking to replace Cooper and Gallup isn't available in your league, which he probably isn't, I think you may be looking at Deshaun Jackson as a possibility. I mentioned he could be returning to this game. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Jacoby Myers are in that Monday night game between the Jets and Patriots could be sort of handcuff options for you. And then Cedric Wilson on Dallas itself, he had five catches for 46 yards on six targets this week. And I think is sort of the direct handcuff replacement to Cooper. I thought that guy was Devin Smith early in the year, but he was a healthy and active in this game. I think Wilson just passed him on the depth chart. Wilson's a second year player, a former late round draft pick, but he's six foot five. So he could be a guy that scores a lot of touchdowns. And he's in obviously a very uh, passer friendly offense with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. So if you're in a deeper format and you need somebody to replace Cooper with, Wilson may be a good option for you this week when they have the later Sunday game. Tavon Austin, I don't think is that same thing. He had similar production to Wilson with five catches and 64 yards last week. But I think Austin playing out of the slot is just the replacement for Randall Cobb, who missed that game with a back injury, but I think should be back for week seven. So if that's the case, I think you can go ahead and drop Austin and rely instead on Cedric Wilson. For the Jets, Sam Donald returned in this game from his mono and spleen issues, had 23 of 32 passing for 338 yards and two touchdowns. I wouldn't get too carried away based on this performance. The Cowboys are more of a middle-of-the-pack pass defense and defense in general, so it wasn't uh, crazy that Darnold would have such a good game playing at home. 
He's got negative 2.7% DVOA for the season, so it's kind of neutral. But I think the real kicker there is that's just unbelievably dramatically better than Luke Falk, who had negative 73% DVOA. So even if Darnold is more of a matchup kind of play in your deeper formats, his being back, I think, unleashes the other Jets' skill position players and makes them options for you in fantasy. The most appealing of those options may be Jamison Crowder, who went 6-for-98 in this game on nine targets. And I know it's just been two games, but he's averaging 13 targets per game when Darnold starts, compared to just five in the other starts for the Jets this season. That may be a little extreme, especially if Chris Herndon makes it back from uh, his injury sometime soon, but Crowder may be a PPR wide receiver three for you the rest of the season as long as Darnold's playing. I mentioned Herndon. He had that four-game PED suspension to start the year. They just activated him to their active roster, uh, but I would keep an eye on that because he could miss week seven with a hamstring injury anyway. But in your deeper formats, you might want to go ahead and grab him. And I could even see him becoming a shallow league tight end option for you uh, as soon as he's back and healthy. And in the meantime, too, the Jets have Demarius Thomas at receiver, who had five targets in this week and a seven per game his last two games, both of which healthy for the Jets. He could become an option for you. Robbie Anderson did much better than him this week, but Anderson also had a 90-plus yard touchdown catch to buoy his fantasy production. I could see that split being a little bit more even on the outside the rest of the way and could make Thomas a deeper league option for you in fantasy. Uh, for the Steelers at Chargers, uh, that, that was the Sunday night game. Mason Rudolph missed this week, um, and Devin Hodges took his place, but I think Rudolph is probably going to return after the team's week seven bye. Uh, he suffered a concussion originally, so I think he should be back and ready to go for then. Uh, Benny Snell had a big game this week, 17 carries for 75 yards. I think that was predominantly game script related and just also related to the other injuries the Steelers have suffered. Jalen Samuels is in the middle of missing probably four weeks with a knee injury. And then James Conner left this game with a thigh injury. I don't think that injury is serious. And the fact that the Steelers have a bye there means that I think Conner should be back and healthy for week eight. So I wouldn't pick Snell up unless you needed just a short-term handcuff. Snell is probably not going to be super involved for the Steelers the rest of the way. He's not much of a pass catcher. So I think that you can probably leave him on the wire even in your deeper leagues. And then for the for the Chargers, Mike Williams, five catches for 72 yards on 10 targets, which led the team. He's averaged 10 targets over the last three weeks now that he's getting healthier from his knee and back injuries. Add him up to 31st in my true talent wide receiver rankings entering the week, and I think he's going to continue to rise. He might be a player you should look to trade for, maybe if you want to unload Will Fuller, or, or maybe even if you could get rid of Golden Tate for him. I think that would definitely be an upgrade. And then the Chargers also got back a healthy Hunter Henry in this week and had eight catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. I already had him top 10 in my true talent rankings in his first game back, but I think that performance and the fact that the Chargers have so many other injuries kind of vaults him back into the second tier conversation with guys like Andrews. So he's obviously somebody that you should pick up in your leagues if he's available. You might want to go ahead and spend a lot of your fab to make sure you get him if you have any tight end trouble, maybe like if you lost Will Disley. And then the Lions at Packers Monday night game, Uh, after Aaron Jones scored four touchdowns the previous week and had something like 185 total yards, I figured he was going to be the lead back here, but of course, no, Jamal Williams comes back, 14 carries, 104 yards on the ground, four for 32 and a touchdown in the air. I just don't understand why this is a 50-50 workload split. Jones has been so much better as a runner with 24.6% rushing DVOA compared to negative 11.9% for Williams. And that split has pretty much been their split for their three-year career so far. So I don't get it. Um, I guess in your deeper formats, you can have Williams in there if you need a guy getting some touches. But I think eventually Jones is going to have to take the lead in this backfield. He's just a much superior player. 
Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, again, with Devontae Adams out with his turf toe injury, I thought he was going to be the primary target, but just two catches for 48 yards on two targets. He keeps playing a lot, 77% of the offensive snaps, but he's got just one game so far this season with more than 60 receiving yards and just one touchdown on the season. So hopefully Devontae Adams will come back in week seven and kind of take the worry out of all of this. But I'm not sure Valdez-Scantling is a guy that is worth considering in your shallow formats anymore. And one other reason for that is that Alan Lazard kind of came out of nowhere for four catches and 65 yards and a touchdown in this game. He played just 17 offensive snaps, but pretty much all of that came in the fourth quarter after a Geronimo Allison injury. And apparently Aaron Rodgers sort of suggested uh, to his coaching staff that Lazard should get in the game and then heavily targeted him once he was. So there could be a little bit of a chemistry there. And Lazard is six foot five and 227 pounds. So there's major touchdown upside if he ends up getting more involved in this passing attack. He's a guy that in my deeper leagues, I would pick up even if Devontae Adams is going to be coming back as soon as week seven. And then before I wrap this up, I mentioned there were four uh, teams on by this last week. You had the Bills. For them, Devin Singletary is back at practice after missing the last four games. It's been a little while, so I'll remind you that he had 130.1% rushing DVOA over 10 carries through the first two weeks. And he's going to be the primary receiving option for the Bills. I think he could end up emerging as sort of a workhorse, workhorse type of back for them in the second half of the season. Definitely pick him up in your shallower leagues. And then in deeper, deeper leagues, maybe take a look at Duke Williams. He played 78% of the offensive snaps for the team in week six, uh, in week five before their bye. And they I, I think they like him enough that they were willing to trade Zay Jones to the Raiders. Uh, Duke Williams was a former Canadian League Canadian Football League standout player. And at six foot three, he's much taller than both John Brown and Cole Beasley and could be a touchdown scorer for them. For the Bears, uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Taylor Gabriel are both back at practice. I think they're probably more deeper league fantasy considerations for you at this point, but I think that does mean Anthony Miller is droppable if you were relying on him. For the Colts, Paris Campbell is not back in practicing, although with T.Y. Hilton back and healthy, I'm not sure how deep of a league you would have to be to consider him anyway. It's been kind of a poor start to the fantasy season for him, so I'm not sure he's going to have value this season. And then for the Raiders, I mentioned that Zay Jones, they traded for him. Tyrell Williams is clearly the number one wide receiver, but he's still not practicing after the team's bye week with his foot injury. So Jones could end up being the number one receiver for this team uh, in week seven if Williams is unable to play. They just don't really have a lot of other options at the position. I mean, they were starting guys like Keelan Doss last uh, two weeks ago. So Zay Jones may be a deep league guy that you can play, may even be a DFS option for you in week seven uh, if you want to kind of do something interesting for a tournament play. Okay, that's going to do it for this Tuesday's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. This show is available on both iTunes and Google Podcasts, so please subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already done so. And then come back in two days to hear my thoughts on the best and worst mashups for Week 7. And thanks, and I will talk to you then. Mm